Hi everyone, and welcome to Calcutta Our House, an irreverent and still uninformed look at the parallel cinema of Bengal. I'm Ayala Khamzan Bushkov. And I'm Pramit Chowdhury. This is episode three. We've made it. I don't, know where, I don't know how many of you have made it. Colin's still with us. It's true. And Dusty. Hi, Dusty. Oh, Dusty was a little offended. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah, if you're still Dusty. here, hello. If you want a shout out, uh, you can now get one. Yeah, for, for a very reasonable price. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> we have... We have some important announcements to, to start with. I thought that with. was a pretty smooth segue into the announcement. Uh, I mean, okay. Would of, you like... Of our, of, our, of our new Gmail address. Indeed. Uh, we have joined the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love email. <laughs> okay. Well, my, my new... Uh, it's like the, the anti-Cal Newport. Exactly. Podcast. I was going to say about uh, his, his new... His new book is called a world without email so what would i do i'd probably you know have a much better life Mm. yeah no comment (laughs) anyway we before our gmail account we are now on your favorite uh podcasting platforms uh we are on apple we're on spotify we're on stitcher yeah we're around (laughs) and we have a twitter account it's at that our house pod Apparently, Calcutta Our House is too long for Twitter. So we are that Our House pod on Twitter. And we are on Gmail. And there we are, CalcuttaOurHouse at gmail.com. So you can contact us through any of those means. And, and or you can just text us because, let's face it, only our friends are listening to this. Yeah. Hi, Clara. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can contact us through all and of my, the... And my students. And, and your students, I suppose. And, and, you know, we, you said uninformed, but we are less uninformed than, than people... we once were. We're still uninformed. We're less speaking. uninformed than people who haven't watched these movies. Yeah, and you know, I I, I do some reading for class. So. Shocking. Shocking! Well, this is this is revelatory. I know the what dirty secret of... of academia. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's how we discovered our first uh, our first item. To okay. share. Well, before our first item, we should say that um, not only are we on all these exciting platforms, but we also have our first five star reviews. <gasps> I suspect I know which one of you did it, <clears throat> Winona. But um, <laughs> whoever you are. Uh, thank you, and... Sure it wasn't a typo? I'll take it. You think you think they thought that five was, like, the lowest? <laughs> we'll I'm take it. when you rate someone's performance, you know, like, whether they dropped off your Amazon delivery, or, you know, they answered the phone nicely, or whatever. I'm often confused about the whether it's, you know, ascending or descending scale. And I don't want to cause the person any kind of, you know, career repercussions. For us, you know, this is like getting your students to give you a good teaching evaluation. Just tell them what evaluation you want, right? Mm. In any event, like, share, and subscribe. Oh, that's the, Or, the, or yeah. you can write us a review. Apparently, we use fancy vocabulary words, so... Anyway, now we can uh, we can go back to, to this new revelation wherein Promet does well, some reading before class. Yeah, so uh, you, you were the one, right, who brought up the colorization. And lo, it turned out that only last year... Someone from the uh, computer science department, I think, at the University of Maryland, and someone at the Pune Institute of Film and Technology did colorize Potter Pachali. And 
it was resoundingly panned apparently on social media <laughs> so all the great and the good basically Shomitra Chatterjee who's obviously you know the star of of, of Opa Shankar, not of not a bother actually but like you know was was rise muse he was you know he's pr- pr- pretty pretty strong in his in his condemnation of it I mean not like a like a moral failing or anything just that you know it just was not a productive experiment well, Omid Chaudhary the the author and yeah a couple of other reasonably well-known people they were all kind of poo-pooing it but I I don't think it was really intended by the people who did it as like a serious claim to replace the original with this colorized version. I think it was just, we're trying something out, it's kind of cool. Well, so um, there were two points, right? The first was that Rai wouldn't have done it. Well, that his art was all about light and shadow and kind of the purity of whatever, the image. And so... But he filled movies in color. Right. And also... As, like, as I pointed out. <laughs> yes. And also Caravaggio. Like, you can do light and shadow and color all at the same you can. time. So I don't, I don't buy that. I mean, I think the more interesting question is, like, had he had access to color technology in the 50s... Would he have done so? Would he have done... I mean, he would have done... I think the criticism, and this is, this is fair about it, is that you can't... You, you you can't reconstruct something that didn't exist, right? I mean, we don't know how he would have handled colour. Just sticking some colour in isn't necessarily giving a good sense of what he would have done with the media. No, but it, it gives us a sense of what the thing would have looked like, right? And so that was the other point, right? That, well, there's also an accessibility question, right? I mean, I haven't shown it to my, my students yet. I need to dig out. The, the clip that they produced or clips but I'm kind of curious if they actually you know without the kind of you know the, the baggage that, that we all have possibly pretentious baggage but anyway but what, what baggage oh about how art well house. we might yeah we might just be like well we might also just find it m- more congenial or n- certainly not uncongenial to watch something in black and white but it might be that for, for some students actually you know and for, for viewers of a younger generation it might actually just be nice to see it in colour yeah Irrespective of, you know, its authenticity. They, well, they nothing like it. about it suggested to me that it depended on the black and white for the meaning-making part of, of the movie. I mean, the, the scenes in Benaras are quite striking in black and white because the stone is white. But I don't... I, I You know, I, I, I need to take a look. Yeah. But I uh, I think it's it's worth checking out. I think it's... I'm going to probably side with, with, you know, anyone who says you shouldn't primarily view these these films in, in colour. But, I mean, I, I don't see what's wrong with it as a... So what, one person, I think it was Amit Chaudhary, was, was saying it, it was an, it's an experiment without a purpose. And I think that's it's probably a, a little bit unfair. I mean, on the one hand, right, these things always have a purpose because one is using them for, you know, I don't know, computer vision work. It's an application of a method. Right, right, so that's the other thing that I found interesting. So, what's his name? The guy who plays Apu. He said, even if they colorized it, it wouldn't be the original colors. So what's the point? And, I don't know, that sounded a bit like, you know, does it hugely matter whether, like, plants are going to be green? I mean, it does make a big difference, right? Because you you want to know... I mean, you, you, you like a director's style, right? I mean, the director's fingerprints, especially someone like Wright, they're on everything, right? He does the music, he does, he works closely with the people who do the lighting and the sound. So if it looks in a way artificial, and not just because the work wasn't very, the, the colorization wasn't very good, but that in some ways it seems 
untrue to either the original landscape or to Rai's style, then maybe that's not something that people should really confuse with his own work. Well, obviously, but, I mean, when people colour or colorize like, you know, Greek or ancient sculpture, right, they're not getting the colours exactly right. I mean, we have pigments on them, but we right. can't get the colour. But it doesn't produce the footprint, the handprint of the original artist, but it still gives us a sense of what the landscape might have looked like. Yeah, I mean, there are other ways of capturing the landscape, I guess. Is it, yeah. So with, with the issue of sculpture, right, you're trying to disabuse people of the misconception that they were originally white. And then you're also trying to reconstruct, however tentatively, some original reality. I guess with, with this, if, if you're trying to get a sense of the feel of the landscape, you know, maybe there are other ways of doing that. On the other hand, you might you might just like the film more. Yeah. In color. I mean, I, well, I just hadn't thought of that. But Calcutta and India, they're inherently colourful places. Yeah, this was the point you were making last time, and, and you were saying that that got lost in... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and this is kind of neither here nor there, but, like, they're also not white, right? And one of the things to think you kind of miss out in in filming in black and white, right, is that you miss out on non-white, right, on, on the non-whiteness, or not the non-whiteness, the, like, the brownness, I guess. Which does matter, right? Because we, we had planned to talk about... Yeah, there's a kind in the of... First right, episode, black, black and white can homogenize in a way that yeah. colour doesn't. And that 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 is, that is yeah, that's an important point. But what I was actually found interesting was not that, but that the, their AI... So the thing, the way you do the colorization is, is through AI algorithms. Right. Which is kind of cool. In a... Well, that's what I was saying, that I don't think it was completely an experiment without purpose. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they didn't have to do that, sure. They could have done some other application. Yeah. But I think... It is an application of an interesting method. I didn't look into the Peter Jackson thing. You you, you, you found out the name of it. Yeah, it's called They Shall Not Grow Old. And I was wrong about the Hobbits. There are no Hobbits. There are no Hobbits. To be fair, I, I knew. I still... What, I mean, if we're talking about colorizing things, just stick some Hobbits in there. How would that colorize it? No, I'm saying if we're talking about improving things, right? Right. I mean, it's not as if Bother Potterly was in color and you were suggesting to colorize it. Potentially for the, you know, the greater enjoyment. I mean, you could viewers. put some Hobbit in Potterpunchelly as well. You, they're, they're rural folk. Why not? That's true. They're rural, well-meaning folk. And very learned. The Hobbits? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I think. Well, some of them are very, like, you know... The Brahmins of uh, the Shire. <laughs> well, not all of them, but, but okay. like, are <laughs> some of them? I don't know. I, I, I've never read the law. I can get past the first 50 pages. So I, I don't know. I watched the movies. The first 50 pages are all about hobbits, though. I, you didn't, I, I, you didn't I found them in. so tedious. That, they are, they are yeah. quite tedious. They're, Sorry, I've just offended, no doubt. Well, we don't have any listeners, so it doesn't matter. The entire rural population of the United Kingdom, yeah. Are all fans of, of The Lord of the Rings. I, I don't Yeah, you know, think you're probably so, right. But aren't they... I'm not, I just, I'm not saying they're not, you know, great works of literature. I just, it, it's not my thing. <laughs> You're looking at me kind of critically, but... I... No, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Anyway, we have... I have redeeming qualities. <laughs> Name one. <laughs> I like these movies. It's <laughs> not as redeeming as you, like, <laughs> as you like to think. In any event, if you haven't clocked... Not Dyson Milton or Shakespeare. Just, just, just Tolkien. Really, really trying to shore up the home counties vote there. Like... 
So, uh, so th- I think on colorization now we have an actual thing we can point to. It's not just theoretical. See, what starts here changes the world. I was going to say actually started somewhere else six months ago, but yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we're contra- contractually obliged. <laughs> In any event, that's the UT motto. Just to be clear, everybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What starts here changes the world. It doesn't actually specify that it changes it for the better. No. It does which not. Is which is a, a probably brilliant, very honest. Well, and also a brilliant bit of marketing. That's true. Changes the world. Yeah. You know what you do with it is is, is, is up to you. Is up to you. Is up to you. Okay, I think we're we're, we're off to a flyer here. <laughs> yeah. So we are. What do you mean there was some actual content there. Very little. We are talking about the third and last movie in the Upper Trilogy, Upper Shanchar. Yeah. Um, we could talk about the title. We can talk about the title, Apu's World. You do not... I mean, I understand why they translated it that way, but as anyone will say, that does not capture the... You're looking at me. Well, when you say anyone, you mean anyone who speaks... Yeah, so it doesn't capture the meaning of Shangshar, which, yeah, I can see how it means world, but it also implies your responsibilities and duties and you know your domestic concerns and that obviously your baggage yeah it makes much better sense of the the, the movie right than just opus world which you know is kind of a bit flat is it related to like reincarnation uh yeah although i don't know how you get from one definition right. to the other but yes yes etymologically yes so, so anyway, so I, I Colin I, might have to edit out all the sighing and, and long pauses. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very cold day in Austin, and we are a bit. It's grey. Unenthused. So before we we start talking about Apu, I, I just want to share a perplexing experience, which is that I actually enjoyed this movie. <laughs> that is perplexing. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that. Aparajito was better. I th- I, for me, it's a toss-up between the two. And also, as we were watching it yesterday, I thought we'd have loads to talk about. Yeah. But, you know, what a difference a day makes. Today, I'm just like, meh about it. It has more to do with us than it has to do with the film. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. There was something about this film that fizzled more than I thought with with the rest. But yeah, that that might. But can you I, I put mean, your finger on that? I think that the end. I think fizzles for me. We'll talk about the the end later on. Um, yeah, we'll have to tell people kind of the the executive summary of what happens in the movie. Yes, but I think the bit with Oporna was the best bit, and the rest of the time, I really I just find Apo annoying from beginning to end. As in the the, the character. Yeah. Yeah. And the various actors they have hired to to play him all irritate me in different ways. You're going to literally offend hundreds of millions of people. In one fell swoop. In one fell swoop. They'll be like, you're uninformed and... Irreverent. What goes without saying? Did I mention how England beat India? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so he's—I mean, he's—he's rise muse. He's generally regarded to be. That's interesting, though. You don't—you don't really get male muse so much. I know he was in fourteen of his films. Uh, He died last year. The the Bengali Shah Rukh Khan. That could not possibly be more misleading. But (laughs) how so? Well, I just—I mean, he's—he's an art house actor by and large. 
Well, mutatis mutandis. Well, there's a lot that's mutated. So, yeah. No, I mean, he's, you know, you, you, need, you need to pick an art house equivalent. And... Like Johnny Depp? No, no, not not like Johnny Depp, no. Less less of the, the, the craziness. I mean, Johnny Depp surely is persona non grata at this point. No, no, that, that is true. No, I'm just thinking about the, like, director. I mean, all of that, you know, oh, he's just kooky Johnny Depp. Isn't that now just like, oh, no, yeah, actually, no, he's, a, he's just, like, a just not beater. a good person. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking... Well, I mean, hasn't the evidence accumulated for just, like, multiple facets of just not being, you know... <laughs> an acceptable part of society. True, but he he did the dog, the bit where they lied about. Trump. Okay, but all of these things, notwithstanding, right? right he's I don't the, know what's left. It's, it's Edward Scissorhands. His relationship with the director. What's his face? Who's Tim, married Tim, to Tim, Eleanor Bonham Carter? Mister Bonham Carter. Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I. So. I've read, I don't know how true this is, that, I mean, Ryan himself did not act, right? He, I don't think he even did, I don't, he might, did he do cameos? I don't know whether he did cameos. You know, Hitchcock did cameos in his movies, but I don't know whether I did. But he certainly wasn't, you know, a protagonist or anything in his in his films or in any films. And I, I read that Shomu's Chatterjee was almost like a kind of alter ego for the director in his films. Well, I mean, um, here it's I, very obvious, right? I, With the... The book and the yeah, although it's kind of hard to disentangle the meta poetics of the novel from the meta poetics of the it's film. It's meta meta. It's meta meta poetics exactly. Oh. Whoa! So I said, getting heady on Calcutta Art House without rising to the level of you know content. But we're academics. With him, <laughs> we're, we're, I don't know with Johnny Depp. I mean, is he an alter ego? I don't think that reflects well on Tim Burton. I I, I don't know who who else is a as a kind of muse figure, a male muse figure for. For their director. I don't know. But I'm probably the wrong person to... Um, like Idris Elba. <laughs> I, but, but for whom? I just... I don't know. Um, I, this is something we can find out for next time. I can ask my students. Or you could write in to calcuttaarthouse at gmail.com. I especially like how you got as far away from the microphone as is physically possible before you... I needed to look at the Gmail address. You forgot the name paper. of our podcast the and podcast. the largest email platform. <laughs> 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 That's the kind of stuff that people yes. tune in for. So, what, what, so I'm curious because we're going to watch several other films where he is the lead, or I think he's the lead in most of them. Uh, there are some. So I will, I will say, I will nuance my my initial claim with the first two films. I found well, I guess in Pater Panchale it's not fair because the kid's just a kid. You know, he's he's not being. He's just being a little boy. Maybe you were just irritated at Theo that day. <sighs> Every day. <laughs> He's so cute, but so destructive. In Aparagito, I found the actor annoying. I didn't like the way he he acted. Like, he just seemed a bit wet, as Maggie might have said. <laughs> well, but he... It's not that he's wet. He's... I mean, he is out of his... I mean, he's out of his depth, right? I mean, he's trying hard, because he's working whatever 18 hours a day no that bit in that bit he was actually like better the the bits where he's in like the village with his mother and i mean he's a teenage boy yeah i don't know maybe i don't like teenage teenage boys i mean you did you do have a younger brother so that might account for it but in in apo shanchar the actor himself is like he's fine he's like a perfectly debonair young man but the the character is like he grates a bit Right, he's a bit 
What, what what is it that you do? I mean, I don't know. But presumably, like that, like if he wasn't, then there wouldn't be a point to them. Right? The the point is, you, you are supposed to be like just pay rent and like find a a real job and oh, stop. Like, so you 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 basically you're, you you're, know moseying around. You're like, I don't like the your... slacker. Yeah. Well, yeah. There is a per- perpetual is a, a perpetual you know, grad student about him. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 a romantic. I don't think you like rom- you're you're not a very you know. <laughs> romantic person, I think. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Valentine's Day 2021. No, but I mean in the sense of you don't, like, that that kind of kind of very, I don't know, two-dimensional idealism. Like, there is something a bit kind of, I don't know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to resist it. You're right. Yeah. I mean, that's what all the women do. All the women are like, you know, get over yourself. Yeah. Or right, the same to his father. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean, right? That like, there is a sense in which being romantic is just, I don't know, being juvenile. That's what the film is. I mean, yes, it's Opu Shankar. It's his coming into maturity and recognizing that he has responsibilities and discovering dharma. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you're supposed to kind of be on the side of that trajectory. I think if the effect is that you just don't like him, then, yeah, probably the film hasn't succeeded. You're supposed to root for him to make that transformation. It's kind of hard, though, because you're kind of, A, programmed by your viewing of the earlier parts of the trilogy, and and you know that his father's a bit of a kind of idealistic loser. I'm really, I'm winning fans across the subcontinent here. But you, you kind of like... You You're very much the new India. You're just like, I just want you to be, a, you know, a computer scientist or an engineer. And that, that's, that's, that's really what you well, want. Well, no, I just think, <laughs> like, there's this bit right in the beginning where he's about to get evicted. And he goes, right, he goes looking for a job. And he gets to the labeling department of this, like, pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And the guy sends him to take a look at... Well, because the guy clocks him and it's just like, well, you sure, don't Well, sure, the guy have... clocks him. And so he, he shuffles off to look at the at the labeling department. Right. And it looks super depressing. But is it more or less depressing than being evicted? Now, the other mystery of this this film is that he never gets evicted. Despite the fact that he has no obvious job. I think he lucks out with, you know, people's tolerance to some extent. But, yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, <laughs> are there a lot of, you know, graduates, forget about how romantic there are, who aren't going to be a little bit crestfallen to discover that the only thing that they have available is... I mean, you have to describe, I think, for the listeners quite what that scene looks like. It's a windowless room with six guys clearly incredibly hot just dealing in like small yeah we're literally like putting labels on teeny tiny bottles yeah it um, is it is very so it is it is meant to seem you know it's meant to seem like pretty awful labor well sure and it's i think also meant to be i mean remember he wanted to go to university he just couldn't afford to finish his degree yes and he gets right like he the the job that he previously applied to the guy was like did you graduate? And he's like, no. And the guy's like, well, then why, why talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I like, yes, labeling sucks, but. I also, I feel a bit, you know, rich about being too condemnatory from a position of extraordinary privilege when no. it's not as if, you know, we've done a lot of hard manual labor. <laughs> that is true. That is true. We are, we are incredibly privileged, but at the same time, 
if we had both lost our jobs and you had to do some shitty depressing job in order to keep the children fed you would have done it yeah i mean i think for him he it's not like he's bottomed out right i mean he's not like an alcoholic and he isn't (laughs) evicted right he's a he's a functional human being who's just you know he has an attachment to his 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 writing and possibly he's being a little bit unrealistic but in a way he's saved by he's saved by his marriage yes and we will come back to the marriage in a bit because that that marriage deserves I mean, it's cast as, like, her being lucky, but actually he's the one who ends yes. up being lucky, right? Yes. Um, and then I don't know quite how he gets the tutoring job, but that seems to be actually perfectly satisfactory. I mean, not, you know, lucrative, but yeah. it's enough to keep them sustained and, you know, they're living in that, that apartment, which looks perfectly, you know, pleasant. And, yeah, you know, I mean, he, I don't think he has great ambitions. I think he's very happy. He's very content. Yeah, we have that discussion occasionally about contentment and ambition, and I am, I mean, well, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) More ambitious than I am, probably, yeah. (laughs) But also more lazy, (laughs) Uh, which which I suppose is often the case. So, I guess one of the... Wait, we should do the executive summary of the film, because I think people might have lost track of... I certainly have lost track. So... When, when we begin the film, right, he's had to leave university. He can't continue with his studies. And remember, the second film was all about him sacrificing everything, including, like, his mother, basically, right, to, to pursue his studies. And, and in, in classic fashion, you wouldn't know any of this. Like, you, you have to kind of sleuth it out from, from the film. They uh, don't at any point say, poor Apu, like, couldn't... Oh, I think keep it, in school. He does mention something at the beginning. I can't remember the exchange with the with the teacher, but there is something about I think him not being able to afford to do it. But but it moves very rapidly, right? I mean, he he then right his landlord is like, you haven't paid rent in three months, and then yeah, he tries to to get a job but doesn't succeed. And it's in the course of him talking with his friend Pulu that he. I mean, they they end up on that kind of drunken night out, yeah. which is great. It's how I imagine your dad in his benighted youth. I certainly his friends. I don't know about him, but yeah. And right, that's where the kind of the the the, the greatest articulation of the romantic side comes. Right, he quotes poetry and he says, "I've written this novel." And there's that you know obviously very foreshadowing moment where he says, "You know, I I you know there's, there's romance in the novel," and his friend is just like. Like romance, love. What do you know about that? Yeah. And right, it's very clear that Opu's naivety, which has been a characteristic, I think, of the figure throughout, right, is seen to be an an impediment. And yet, maybe that's it. Maybe it's his naivety. I I am unimpressed with naivety. No, you don't. You don't. You don't really like naivety. Yeah. yeah. So that's what keeps the ship on the road. I yeah. I'm, I'm... <laughs> you being the ship. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe the the, the household, the, household. <laughs> the ship of the household. It's the like ship. the ship of the state, but really small, like a raft. Um, a dinghy. A dinghy. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So um, and then his his friend invites him to his cousin's wedding. It's like a real lesson. Like, do not, do not, do not go to a wedding if you don't know what the circumstances are. If you were not explicitly invited, um, do not go to weddings. So, it, but it, what's interesting is that. In the boat, when they're traveling to the wedding, his friend Pulu is reading the manuscript and actually thinks the novel is great. This is the novel that's the sort of biographical novel, right? It's quite funny when, when Opu is, is describing the novel, right? It's very deliberately supposed to, you know, 
emphasize to you that it's an autobiography. And that's what Pulu says, right? It's not really a novel, it's autobiography. And, you know, write what you know. That's very familiar advice to novelists, but... Right, and, and that scene is, right, as, as we already said, is meta-meta poetic, right? So it's it's both... Well, we didn't check if that scene is in the novel, right? But it it's very much about the movie kind of being about... There, there are fictional elements in the movie, right? That right. are fictional to to the novel. Right. Just as the novel is... Fic- right, like, so, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and he... I mean, that's the bit that I found interesting when he says that Pulu criticizes him for even, right, trying to write of this phenomenon of which he has no personal experience. But actually, when he reads the novel, he thinks the novel is fantastic. And so the implication is actually that Opu is capable about of writing things, right, beyond his experience very effectively. And yet the film is going to tell us that he does not have, right, despite the fact that he's able to kind of fake it very well, mm. that is not the same as actually having an understanding of, you know, whatever love or marriage, which is something he only acquires, you know, over the course of the next half hour to an hour of the movie. Yeah. So before we go on to talk about Apu's marriage, we want to talk a little bit about the... In fact, we promised last time we would start with this. So, Oh, really? Uh, with, with the trilogy aspect of the trilogy. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Um, okay. And it's very recompositional. Like The Return of the King? <laughs> The return, how is there? Well, I mean, I guess in the end of the Return of the Kings, the Hobbit yeah. go back to the Shire. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, what what kind of ring compositional elements were you thinking of? I don't remember, <laughs> but I remember us distinctly talking about ring comp. Well, I mean, he. I mean, there's, there there are journeys, right? The film the films end with journeys. It's not just a ring composition as in an echo of the original, but right, each of the film ends with the characters moving to actually moving to the city right so right. they go to Benares right and Bothabachili and then in Oprajita right Oppu on his own is going to Calcadon and here father and son or you know friend and friend as he characterizes <laughs> that right go go to Calcutta again in this film so there are there are formal repetitions with the progression from country to city yeah but there that are, also- are a navigation of a larger social movement. Right. But there are also, right, develop well... Are there returns to the original? I mean, the train, but then the train is kind of left behind, right? Like the toy train? Yeah. So, Oppu gives his son a a toy train, but for reasons that, you know, we will be explaining soon, um, he and his son don't really have a relationship. They've been apart for, for, for six years. And so his son doesn't really, doesn't really know him, doesn't really like him, kind of throws the train away. And at the end of the film, Opu is about to leave, actually. He wants his son to be put in a boarding school where he thinks he'll be better looked after. And he, he just turns around, sees his son, and says, come with me. And the son actually does go with them, and then they go to Calcutta together. It's a very famous scene, and the son, Kajol, is on top of Opu's shoulders. Is this how you imagine yourself every time you put one of the kids on your shoulders? Like, like Opu? Yeah. 
I, like, I hadn't. Like, like how most guys like imagine themselves as Reservoir Dogs whenever they walk in the park. I like, just imagine myself as a frustrated head? novelist, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who worked in a coal mine because they had like a personal crisis for a few years. <laughs> <That sounds interesting. laughs> um, so no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a lot more functional, not in a good sense, as in a in a in a, in a kind of um, a humdrum <laughs> sense than awful. I, I don't have that kind of idealism. So I, it's a very Charles Huston kind of scene, though. Ch- Charlton Heston? Yes. In what way? He has the, like, uplifted, like, this is the end of an epic movie. Oh, and, yeah. And we are walking kind of, proudly. Yeah, yeah, there is a bit of that, yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the reasons, because it's, like, emotionally it's very uplifting, but I think there's a certain amount of, yeah, as a group one feels uplifted by this. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, like, as the, the relationship between the two individuals, but there's a certain amount of, you know, optimism about the future. I try to get my students to think about how this would have been received in the context of, you know, a burgeoning nation, you know, post-independence within 10 years, right, of, of, of It's kind of hard to be optimist, though. I So I see melodrama as generally pretty optimistic, even though... Obviously, for the melodrama to work the way it does, you've just had a lot of death and loss for the right. majority of it. Yeah. Every single time something good's happened to him, someone else that in fact, when Apo arrives home or well, back back to to where his son lives, his son is sick, and I said, Oh well, he's gonna die because no one has yet to survive a fever in this film. Right. And I know, I thought that was a good point. And my students were like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and miraculously, Kajal just has a cold. And it's fine, which you know is is like. Well, that's the funny thing. It's, it's not the, miraculous. It's, the, it's totally normal, but it seems miraculous. Yeah. It's like oh, it's he just has a cold. <laughs> right, but it's the it's the it's the key change, right? That is supposed to I don't know, kind of mark the end of or or the the shift away from everything that that happened before. But it's kind of difficult to see how this slightly dysfunctional person who has very little parenting experience and this kid who has a conflicted relationship with his father is are going to like take the city by storm like what like what happens next he he is affectionate and i I was i was you know reminding my students that there one of one of them remembered there was this scene before he discovers that his, his wife has died He's walking along some train tracks, reading her her letters, and there's just a little kid. He's just really, really close to the train tracks. He shouldn't be there. He's just kind of crawled off. I can imagine Theo doing this when he was younger. Cool. Just crawled off near near the train tracks, and so Opu picks him up and he moves him. And it's clearly meant to, you know, he's just he's just, he's a warm guy, right? I mean, he's just been kind of traumatized by the loss of his wife, which might seem a little extreme, except he's already lost his father and his mother and his older sister. And his prospects of, you know, a career. So No, so that's what not... I'm saying. It's not like, you know, one triumphant walk down a country road erases no, I, decades of trauma. I, exactly. I think I, that's the right, that's the idealism, right? So in a way the film ends in despite all of its kind of, you know, finger wagging at being too idealistic or being naive. I don't think the film is naive, but I do think it ends in a way that votes for a certain amount of idealism that there can be some kind of redemption or recovery despite what has happened and it can come from you know mutual affection which in this case has to be grown right it's not as if it's kind of starting from 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 nowhere well not nowhere right i mean they you can see that the father and son start to bond a little bit after 
a not great start. Oh, the thing about the train. So the, he, the kid leaves the train with his grandfather. The grandfather's just like, hey, you know, do you want your train? And he, the grandfather has already basically authorized Oppu to take his son away. He's just like, you can take him away, hint, hint. <laughs> um, so he's pleased that, that Oppu actually has kind of taken back his son and is taking him away. But the son leaves the train behind. So, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that symbolism, given the importance of the train throughout. It does mean something. Well, on but... the train, there's like interesting effects with, in this movie with the with the train, right? I didn't realize until the middle that they live Next to the train tracks. Right. As we will be soon, probably. Oh, yeah. Very excited we're going to get a a train line. My father keeps mocking me. He's just like, oh, not for 10 years. I think he's concerned that he won't get to to, to travel on that. It's a glorified tram. You know, he got run over by tram. When? When he was very young. Oh, okay. Not not recently. Not recently. (laughs) Well, the Croydon tram. (laughs) It's possible. Yeah, no, he got run over by tram. Maybe that's why. Maybe he, that's... he said that he said I, sh- I shouldn't have been trying to jump on the tram. No, probably but... not. Yeah, <laughs> probably okay. not. Yeah. Anyway, they they live next to the the train, and obviously uh, when Operna goes back home, she right goes on the train, and and it's an interesting sort of reversal because in this movie, trains go away from Calcutta rather than towards Calcutta, right. which is what we get in the first two right. parts. But do you remember? There's. At least twice in the movie when you get that conk noise. Yeah, and you were saying... The- and the first time I thought it was the train. And and then I discovered that apparently Kakura has a, a unified, like, conk... It's not like a single specific time, but like in the evening when everyone does their evening puja, you do get like household after household emitting the sound. Which is quite nice, but then you you was you 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 thought it was the train the train yeah it does it does not and presumably that was that was deliberate and then the second time you hear it Operna hears it and it scares her and she covers her ears yeah and you know that that's quite striking and those it's a bit like Durga tripping up right yeah before the yeah Um, yeah. we are big fans in our house of non traditional blowing instruments <laughs> the shofar yeah so you have a shofar because i'm i'm jewish not that you know a shofar is not a standard anyway we have one it's a it's a horn it's a ram's horn is it a ram's horn a ram's horn i don't know an elk's horn it's a horn <laughs> let's call it a ram that's okay. good right. and then we have a variety of an antelope horn. <laughs> <laughs> no that's our um our um a toasting forks our toasting forks are with antelope yes yeah, of yeah. dubious provenance yeah we're going way, like, all over the range of Colin's, like, permitted spectrum. Sorry, Colin. Um, he might just mute us for the entirety of the podcast. Genius. Just be an hour of yeah. silence. It's like it's jo- John Cage, but many times yeah. over. <laughs> um, in any event, so we have, and we have various conks. Well, we have two conks. I think we have two, but at least allegedly, one of them's not great. Allegedly, one of them was used at our wedding, but... You know, a bad, a bad, a bad blower blames his tools. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, so the shofar is usually blown in, in New Year's and a Jewish New Year, rather. And Prada and I decided to broadcast a, a message of tooting <laughs> to to the world. And so there's this great video of us on Facebook blowing our respective blowing instruments, our, our respective instruments. Yeah. and we just did it for for kicks. But then it got put on our professional organization. Facebook feed and and got like a hundred like you know tons of views and 
probably one of the more popular things that we've done. So all of which is to say that, you know, when you block honk, it's... That's multiculturalism at work. It's a pulmonary effort. It, it is. Yeah. And and it, it makes quite a... Um, yeah, but literally every housewife in India can do it a lot better than I can. Well, I'm sure there are many things housewives in India can... Well, but like, I, it, you know, it's the, it, the, the pulmonary effort. I don't know. I think I just, I just don't have... I need to practice more. Mm. I can do it. I mean, I can make a, you know, a, a passable sound. But it just, it is not like you hear on the movie. Yeah. Or can, indeed at 6 p.m. in Calcutta or indeed anywhere else. I, I can't see our conch. I, I removed our conch because I was cleaning out the living room. But maybe we, we can do a demonstration some, some other time. But anyway, the conch is, right, it's part of, of puja, it's part of our, our religious ceremony. Um, so the, the kind of like, is it, is it, well, right, there's the conch, collective... there's the flute, and there's the train whistle horn, whatever. Yes. Right? It's this, this collective sound, yes, right, that is meant to be similar to but different from one yes. another. The flute kind of comes out of nowhere, but well, you know, his playing of the flute. Yeah. So, so one of the the things that we discover about Apu in, in this in this film is that he's a flute player, a flautist. Yeah, which is meant to seem rustic, I guess. Yes. And um, you know, as you as you observed in the in the, in the scene that you took a picture of. Well, I mean, you, you should, you should. It was, it, it was, it was great. Yeah, you can go ahead then. Well, he, he, he looks like Krishna. Right. Yeah, he's just kind of like lounging with his feet crossed with his feet in class, crossed. classic Krishna pose, and like yeah. fluting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I took a picture of that. So if you if you want to see what we're referring to, uh, you know, I was going to when I was teaching my class, I was telling them that you'd made this great observation, which is made explicit in the film later on. Right. right? Like it's confirmed when well, his his mother in law says that he looks exactly like like Krishna. Mm. And uh, I was going to show my students our little Radha Krishna statue, and then I was just like, is that some kind of, like, harassment violation? Yeah, no, <laughs> it is. Because they're just... Um, there's nothing explicit. There's this... No, there, it's... It's it's explicit. Those statues will, are meant to be suggestive. I but... will post a picture of our Radha Krishna Murti um, on, on our... Twitter feed and and the it's audience. It's very it dawns our mantelpiece. It's it's very can can make their own uh, decision. But no, it is. I thought you were gonna like invite innuendos in the form of captions. Oh yeah, uh, we can we can we can do that. You can send in your caption and and we'll read out the the best ones yeah. next time. It, it's I mean, but he is she's stroking his flute. That's yes, she is stroking his flute. So yeah, I mean, uh, which is unnecessary, right? <laughs> I'm saying for the purpose of playing a flute, it's unnecessary. <laughs> like when you see an orchestra, it's not like, you know, flute number two is all over flute number one, you know. <laughs> it's the best bit of the podcast. <laughs> okay, so... We actually know someone who plays the flute. and He was separated from his partner by several thousand miles, so... <laughs> yeah. Moving right along then. Well, but the, the flute playing is meant to be, right? I mean, it's him being useful and without responsibility and a little pastoral, mm. right? I'm expecting cows to be milked and, you know, it's, yeah, it is it meant is, to convey it is very, that, right? It's very playful. Yes. And flutes are always playful, right? Like, as classicists, right? We yeah. also know that Tuturus in the eclogues, like, yeah. flutes, flouts. I don't know. I can't really deal with the flute, partially also because one of our favorite coffee places in Austin is called Fleet. And Fleet, if you would like to sponsor us, we're here for that. Um, <laughs> but but our, we, we our, like daughter, our daughter, Ella, for some reason decided to call it Flute. Yes. 
So she's very opinionated about when it should be called fleet and when it should be called flu. She's just generally very opinionated. Yeah, she's four. I, she's almost four, and and already she knows like she'll be will be like. So where do you want to get chocolate milk? And she'll like some days she'll be like I want to houndstooth, and some days she wants to go to Merritt. I mean, those days. chocolate milks are all different. Yes, no, so. and I think she wants to go to Merritt when she wants the cinnamon roll, of which she only eats the icing. Yes. Which is a real shame because it's actually quite good. It is quite good similar. And she wants to go to flute when she wants like a good like they probably have the best chocolate. I told milk. her for the fifth time that next time I will be cutting off the sugar again and she can have the sugar, but I will be she eating was the fine rest with of the cinnamon roll. Yeah, she was the last time she insisted she was gonna have the whole thing, and I think that was the fifth time I fell for right. it. But it really is, we're done. Those cinnamon rolls are enormous. She's kind of gone off Houndstooth recently because the guys in Houndstooth are like they they adore her and we love being in houndstooth but part of the fun for her i think was hanging out in the space yeah and i think she's a bit sad that she doesn't get to interact yeah yeah because yeah. it, it, it was kind of home for her yeah yeah so i think so, one once we're post pandemic yeah uh, we, will we will be, be returning yeah to yeah but anyway houndstooth and or merit and flute and flute all fabulous uh, coffee shops right here in Austin, and all of which, if they want to, you know, chip in, a, spot us a free cinnamon roll. Yeah, or you know, an americano. <laughs> we are here for it. Uh, but um, so we have been like yammering for almost an hour, and we have still not gotten to the best bit of the movie, which is Operna. Well, we were leading up to it because, <laughs> right? I mean, we have the flute, right, and his. Lack of experience with mm. love, as Pulu puts it. And he's clearly Wait, nailed is it. the in... flute... What? An allegory. I don't know. But, I mean, at this point, it's hard for me to get away from the possibility. But I, I doubt it. I just... Now it's all I can see. <laughs> 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 when is a flute just a flute? Usually is the answer. But anyway. <laughs> well. But right, the point is, he's, he's kind of... He's got it in theory. I was about to say he's nailed it. Anyway, <laughs> he's got it in theory... But he doesn't have it in practice. And this is the point where we have this right very strange right occurrence where Pulu's cousin, Oporna, is about to get married, except the family discovers that the bro- the groom is is insane. Well, also, there's this big wedding scene, and the groom is <laughs> led to the altar and there's this great like brass band and he's carried behind in a pulky and the band is playing he's a jolly good fellow <laughs> oh, that's great which is not so far as i know a traditional indian wedding no, song it, it was great I, yeah i love that bit yeah um yeah. so yeah anyway so he turns out to be yeah i mean it's it's we it's a weird scene because i i didn't i mean i, I obviously remember the story but like y- you see him and he's kind of muttering but then he gets more kind of confused and aggressive he's and like chewing his yeah like as it, it's clear that he's very unwell it's yeah. not like you know and that's meant to right signal pretty clearly that this this was not something that should have been sprung or irrespective right. of like you know 
whether this is something that should have happened or not, it certainly shouldn't have been sprung on the bride, who's like 13. And the actress really was 13. Sharma Do you to... want to tell us about your personal connection? To... Oh, yeah. So, so this, uh, this actress is, is Sharmila Tagore. Sharmila Tagore, yeah. Who is a relative of Robin Tagore. And he, she... But uh, that is not, in fact, her most famous relative. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I went to university... Low um, these many years low ago. Low these many years ago. I uh, discovered that one of the students in the, in the year, year above us was... Uh, a girl called Soha, um, Soha Khan. And those of us from South Asia were like... South Asia in Wimbledon. Well, th- th- those of us with, with South, South Asian roots. I say from South Asia because there were two... Uh, there, there were a couple of girls from Pakistan. And although they grew up in Bombay, I think. and Bombay and London. And then... Or Mumbai, London. And then there were a few other people as well. Someone from Sri Lanka, um, someone from Delhi. But anyway, those of us who had some knowledge... Who of, knew what's what. Who knew, who, who knew what's what were like, oh my god, this is Sharmila Tagore and the Nawab of Patali's daughter. So big, big deal in the cricket world and in the movie world. Wait, wait, okay. Tiger Patali. Right. And the Nawab of Patali. Isn't there like, isn't one of them the grandfather? Like the Sharmila Tagore Mary... The, I guess they're both. There are two, right? You're, you're thinking probably of the the grandfather who was who also played cricket, right? The, right. Of of body line. And I don't know who he was married to. I, I yeah, I'm... presumably the Nawabess of yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I Mrs. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't know anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know any details. But yes, yeah, so his son, Tiger Patali. Yeah, Mansur Ali Khan. So he married uh, Sharmila Tagore, and this was their daughter. So what's great was we could be like. Wow, that's kind of unusual to have like an honest to goodness like celebrity with like proper celebrity parents, right? But I mean, she wasn't actually a celebrity at the time. She went on to become a Bollywood actress. I, I mean, I only discovered this some years later. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think she, she, she's been in a number of films. I think he, she married like another Bollywood actor. She at the time when we were in college was dating an Australian cricket, which I found very amusing. Like a uh, uh, like a you know a, a baggy green or no 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 no, no. like a like, Not a, like a, Shane a, a guy just playing yeah for, for for the college team. Or, or maybe he played for the university, I can't remember. But anyway, it was great because, like, literally everyone else at the college was just like, oh, we have no idea who to come out, we don't really care. So it was a very asymmetrical reaction <laughs> to, to this person. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, her mother reacts in this film. It's her first film. She's 13. It's an amazing performance for a 13-year-old. And and there are a couple of things that she, she described in subsequent interviews that were just difficult for her because she was just a 13-year-old girl. And you know, one of them is that she was terrified of cockroaches. And in the movie, she has to kill a cockroach. And so that was uh, not a success. Uh, and the other one was that she uh, there's this long scene in a cab um, where there's, you know, there's kind of serious, you know, affectionate dialogue. And at the end of it, she tries to light a match to light um, Opu's cigarette. And actually, she couldn't do it. And they had to do 11 takes, after which everyone was getting extraordinarily frustrated. Um, that The scene would then just break down when she failed to strike this match. Um, and then Shonzi Chatterjee actually said, look, someone else will just light it off camera, and then your hand off camera will take the match, and it will look as if you've lit, lit the, the, the match. So that's how, how that finally was done in 12 takes, I guess, as opposed to 50. Can I tell the story about Ella and the cockroach? Oh, yeah, go on. So last week, two weeks ago... I pick Ella up from, from daycare and she says there was a, a cockerel. <laughs> and I uh, was surprised. Because a, gr- a, a green vegetable? <laughs> a, a cockerel is a, a green Indian vegetable. Um, but they do grow in Texas because it's a similar climate and a lot of Indian families have, 
have brought their that's ca- true. cockerel. That's true. Probably violating numerous any yeah yeah policies about plants. But so I was like, oh well, you know, maybe like somebody brought it in from home, or maybe there was like a weird. You know. How would she know what that was though? She wouldn't even know the word. Well, maybe someone told her. Maybe that someone told her that. I true, mean, yeah. it was all very yeah, like yeah. unlikely, but you know, I was narrativizing in my head. And then I was just like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I investigate further. And it turns out that what element was cockroach. And she and her friends had found a cockroach, which turned out to be a dead cockroach in the tire um, in the playground. And they were very excited about it because it was yucky. Quote, unquote. Quote. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. And then they told their teacher, and their teacher said, ew, and that was also very exciting. Anyway, the next day, she comes back very um, excited, and she's like, uh, we, we, like, the, the cockroach just went away. And I was like, how, how did it go away? And she was like, well, you know, we smashed its body. <laughs> And then cockroaches will do that if you smash their bodies. Yeah. And then the other day, she told me that the cockroach came back, and I said, "Wow! Even though, even though you smashed its body," and she said, "Yes, it was so desperate that it came back together." Whoa. Yeah. Are you saying they have a cockroach infestation? A zombie cockroach, or a zombie? (laughs) One of the two. Okay. Um, So that. would Would you rather have a single zombie cockroach or a cockroach infestation? Hmm. It's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Probably a zombie cockroach because you could trap it. And then just, it would just be there like yeah. a pet. You'd have like exactly yeah. okay. an undead pet cockroach. <laughs> also, you could gift it. That's true. Or feed it to an animal. Yes. Yeah. But if you have an infestation. Then you then... call the exterminators, I guess. But Yeah. 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 This is taking a pretty dark turn. I, yes. Yeah. I don't know that yes. I can handle this. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. So anyway, the, the, the bride's groom. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, once the, there's a great moment between the father of the bride, right, and the mother, where the father's basically like, yeah, we can do, we can, we can make this work, right? That's fine. be fine. fine. Like, <laughs> I have paid for it. And the mother's wedding. literally like, over my dead body. Like, <laughs> Right, generally the the whole series of films is just so much more respectful of, like, women saying and doing sensible things and men doing very men-like things. Um, yeah, it is, it is in, its, in its way quite a feminist. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so fortunately the mother gets her way, but they can't overcome this, this superstitious obstacle, which is that she needs to be married to someone... Uh, at the time, at the appointed time of the wedding, or she won't be able to get married again. So, if I had bailed on you in Kakara, then you wouldn't have been able to get married again. I mean, we were already married. Yeah, so I know, yeah, yeah. But would you? Would they have just like trotted out the the? No, I don't know. I think the, it's like, probably patriarchal, right? The princess Isn't that has been waiting in the no. wind since you were seventeen. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Um, so I I think it's patriarchal i think it's probably yet another one of those things that probably only affects women but mm. not men but um but i mean he opu himself right he says like something about you know it being a completely outmoded practice right i mean yeah the translation is something about the dark ages right so you know this is again a kind of you know part of rise criticism of superstition or of the excesses of conservative religion but it's funny because it actually works out for both of them, in particular for him, even though obviously it seems as if he's the one doing the favour. It's he's the one who's kind of aided in his emotional yeah. and Although he does have growth. a freak out right after the wedding. Yeah. Where he's just like, Well, 
what have I got us into? Yeah. Yeah. I... Well, the, the worst I mean, he's tried it. He, he's he, like, oh, I thought I'd be doing something noble if I agreed, but actually it was really stupid. And I'm just like... Well, he's presuming... Why you... He's just like, what, you won't be able to adjust, right? You're used to this kind of luxurious life yes. here. Transparent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You won't be able to handle moving, moving, moving to the city. And she's just like, okay, I mean, we'll just... <laughs> I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> so at thirteen, right, a bit like Durga, a bit like Sharbajoy, right? She has a lot more. Like, sure, I mean, I've, there'll be things I won't like, but I'll I'll deal with it. Um, and lo, that is what she does. Although she does have that little. Well, she doesn't like the cockroach. <laughs> she doesn't like the cockroach. When she arrives, right? It's it's actually really sweet. So they they arrive in his like bachelor room, and she looks around, and and he goes away to do something and, and she looks around and and cries. Yeah. Um, she's 13. Is she 13 now? Is Oprah not 13? I think she's very young. I mean, yeah. she's not 13, she's 15. I yeah. mean, she's, she's very, very um, young. But then... Um, I mean, this was something that my students needed to, like, th- th- I, I should She's a child bride before. in any event. Yeah, exactly. And I think that seemed weird yeah. but I had to explain that it was actually pretty customary but then he calls her to come downstairs and all the women in the building have gathered to see the bride which I still found really weird because I remember when we got married your mother like took us around some houses and people were like I want to see you know I want to see the bride and I was just like I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not for viewing no. <laughs> um, but it's very right, all, I mean, the, all the women are kind of gathered and they're all very excited and they clearly like invite her into their sorority of yeah. of long suffering like Well, when she dies they're they're kind of upset. They were like, you know, she's as you know, she was as kind of beautiful on the inside as on the outside, yeah. you know, and yeah, I mean she clearly creates an impression on them and they clearly like him more yeah. because of her. Yeah. And he turns out to be uh you know, he tries to be a good a good husband. Yeah, she seems to like him. We don't. I mean, it's all very kind of moments within some years of marriage, right? Yeah. I mean, the film doesn't like dwell on it, but it, it conveys <laughs> yeah. much like in the pandemic. The time space continuum doesn't mean a lot to Rai. Yeah, I mean, he wants to convey a lot of what's in the novel, and I don't know how much jumping around the novel does, but like in the film, at least there is a certain yeah. amount of like we need to skip time, so you know we can we can proceed. And when she she dies, the you know he kind of falls apart and he's just lying in bed. And the neighbor from downstairs is saying, you know, how how lovely you know his wife was, kind of mournfully. But she also kind of upbraids him for being you know f- for not being resilient enough, right? So she she contrasts the fact that he could get married again like as many times as he wants, ten ten times, right? But I mean, uh, you know, for a woman, it's like white saris and no onion for and no meat from from here on out. So you know, th- there is very much a consciousness of the disparities for for men and for women. And you know, sure, people are sympathetic to his predicament, and we are. And I, as I said before, I think we should be conscious of the additional burden on him because he's lost his mother his father and his older sister but nevertheless like there is an expectation that he sought himself out and he does not <laughs> their, their marriage is quite sweet right like she she settles in pretty well and and he has these like conflicts like at some point he's like well i'm gonna go out and get a servant to like help her so she doesn't have to to do everything and she's like well who's gonna pay for it 
But also she just wants to spend time with them. Yeah. And he wants to spend time with um, them. And so he teaches her how to read. And then there's this, like, great little scene that where she's like, he's like, oh, Aparna, you were pining. And I don't know what the word that he uses in, in Bengali, but... But like a high register word, yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, you always use such fancy words. So it's... But she says it. I like how she says it. She says it in a very, like... You know, like she's castigating him. Yeah. yeah. Like just because of the age difference and the education difference, she's not in any way like submissive or cow. Like, you know, she's, you know, she's polite. Yeah. But actually, like, she went to get crap from him. Yeah. Um, and there's that sweet scene where, where they eat, right? And we see him, him eating and she's waving the, the fan. Like his mother fanned. His father's food. Right. But then, right, he fans her when she yeah. eats. And then we discussed how if you're living in a place where you need constant fanning to protect you from... Flies. Flies and, <laughs> and cockroaches, then... <laughs> no AC. Yeah, no, I, I... Still no AC, and it's a lot hotter than Texas. But I, I, the other thing that kind of comments on their marriage, right, is the contrasting attitude of his co-worker, right, when he's typing or whatever that, that that job is that he's doing and his co-worker is just like oh you're very happy yeah and it's it's right implicit that it's the reciprocity that's part of the ingredient yeah. of the happiness of his marriage and that's actually made to seem somewhat exceptional but that's also why he's so devastated because it is unusual to have that kind of reciprocity yeah. right it's not an asymmetrical hierarchical relationship yeah. even though those two can be like in their own limited way successful it's not the same as this idealized relationship. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the movie is just very, like, and I'm sure the novels too, there, there is, like, an inherent... Despite the fact that their message is, you need to be more pragmatic, they themselves are very idealistic. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I think in a good way, but yeah. I could see how someone could be like, you know, that it's kind of undermining of its own message. There's a certain type of director or a certain type of writer who would have just been much more relentlessly in favor of the pragmatism. Just as I guess there would have been a type of novelist and a type of director who would have been much more relentlessly in favor of the idealism. Yeah. Like all of Hollywood, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's difficult sometimes to square the kind of optimism and the sort of <clears throat> the naivety with the, you know, harsh realities. Yeah. And Apu certainly is like, oh, well, you will be poor and, and you know, things will be hard. And, and like, he almost wears his hardships as if, right, it's like part of his, his novel, right? Right. And, and, like, he, you know, it's this, like, romantic burden for him. And and I think I said this in our, our Padre Panchali episode, he could get a job. Which he does. And they could have money. Well, but he does. Right. right? So once that's... And when he does, he is happy. Yeah. And yet, he's like, I mean, they, I don't know, I, I don't want to sound all Republican about it. Like, it's not, it's not just, you know, giving up their, their Starbucks habit and the avocado toast, but he... Well, no, there's definitely none of that. <laughs> um, but he, he doesn't seem to make the connection between his own agency and the results on his life, right? I, I he, think he's, he's a little purposeless. Like it is, it is the kind of it's you know not not you know, really millennials are kind of hardworking, creative, whatever. But like the satirical portrait of right. millennials, right? That's what that is, right? It's the it's the guy who just you know really wants to write his novel, and as it happens, he is right. I mean, genuinely poor. It's not you know, um, you know uh, people are often 
they 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 have you know less money that they need but they're you know creative types yeah, or it's... knowledge workers or whatever but he really doesn't have very much yeah. right i mean just as with possibility we have to scale our sense of you know poverty or, or lack accordingly but he, he his novel isn't enough like that's the thing right the novel that's what he discovers over the course of the movie i also find it funny that like you know the the, the great like you know artistic conclusion for, for, for him is throwing away his novel. Yeah, so we should say, so what happens is that somehow from learning how to read and stuff, I guess, fluting, um, Oprah is pregnant. You would never know this, except that she says, and what about the extra expenses when I come back? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> which is a very clear, clear-eyed clear view of, of child having. Yes. Um, and so she goes back to her parents' house um, and so he puts her on the train. And I remember me getting annoyed because I was like, why doesn't he take the train with her? Because if she's seven months Because pregnant, he has a job. That, like, this this is the one, like... Well, but we, now that... he is, that's the whole point, right? Now he is the kind of person who does his job to... And she's well, I will remind you yeah. that in in Aparajita, when he yeah. was like, well, mom, but I have to go to college, yeah. then what happens? Uh, yes, and what happens this time? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I. it's true. Yes. But then, right, the issue was... <laughs> Dear that... reader, they die. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, right, in Operative, you're meant to feel that he was trying to kind of evade his mother. It was That's the thing, he's very teenagerish, right? He's just like, I'm in the big city now. Like, I'm having fun. I want to do this. I don't want village life. All I do in the village is, like, sleep, right? So you had a sense of him evading responsibility. Right. Here, like, uh, actually, this is a bit more like when Horihara is like, like, I've had a fever, but I'm better. So I'm just going to get up and, like, you know, d- d- do my, do my, you know, my Except job as a brave again, right? And then ends up, like, killing himself, right? Through, through, through overexertion, or at least that's how it's portrayed, right? This is made to seem like somewhere between the two, right? It's not that he's evading being with her. He is doing the job that he needs to do, that she kind of implies he needs to do because they need the money. Right, to, to, to raise the child. She does say one of her last words to him is, I, I left some jewellery, don't anyone steal it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is classic. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she goes back to um, her parents and she dies in, in childbirth. And again, like every time someone dies in a movie, no one actually says the word death or or you know, explains what happened. There's just, like, looks of horror. And, well, there's like, a messenger and from silent the family. Un- yeah, and yeah. silent understanding. And the messenger is like, oh, the baby came too soon. But then it turns out that the baby is fine. But Oprna dies. And Apu... Apu and Oprna, we haven't kind of, like, brought... On the coincidence of yeah. names, yeah. Apu kind of falls apart and has this, like, Jesus in the wilderness kind of phase where he wanders around yeah um you know trying to find himself um and yeah he's kind of really clearly pretty pretty broken um and it's very functional right like at one point he says to pull pull kind of hunts him down and it's like you really you know you've got a responsibility to your son how did you end up here and he was just like well you know at some point i needed to eat so i just got a job in this coal mine and somewhere you know way outside in, 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 yeah. in and starts wearing trousers rather than his uh, artistic totty yeah um, I mean he goes back to wearing a totty at the end of the movie right does he I think so um, yeah when, when, he, when he sees his son I was ironically putting away laundry so I didn't, no. <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah um, so it's it's this very um, and I think we should probably end on that because we, we have to fetch our own children this movie is much more religious in some ways than 
or religious in different ways than the previous two. In the previous two, you get a lot of people doing puja, and obviously you're in Benaras for, for part of it. Whereas here, the the kind of divine, right, there's a lot more play with this idea of Apu as like a divine manifestation, right? He's like Krishna, and then he, you know, I'm kind of kidding when I say, like, go to, like, you know, this this, like, Jesus in the wilderness, but he does kind of have this, like, no, he has that kind of holy man, holy man quality. Yeah, quality, absolutely. Right? Yeah, where and, and Paul have... says right that he's he's gone mad. Yeah, um, and you were pointing out that you know, right, the great irony that Aparna marries him because her intended husband yeah. is mad, but then it turns out that Aparna goes, goes mad. Goes mad. Yeah. So, and is therefore as good a father to their son as you know the first groom would have been yeah. right like absent and dysfunctional yeah. and then that that kind of clicks up back to some semblance of i mean he really does have to be kind of confronted with his lack of i mean he basically says i don't have a connection to him but right he had agency in that right you know, he chooses to not have a connection with his son right I mean, his son is kind of an innocent victim of that and you know he blames the son as he says for right he's the existence of the son is a testament to the Right, the death of a constant token of the death of the mother, but uh, you know, the the film is trying to get. I mean, it shows him learning that the two are not some kind of complement to each other, right? <clears throat> and actually, the son. There's this scene where the son is being kind of mischievous and is stealing stuff, mm. and that reminds me of actually Durga in the first yeah. film. And so you kind of have these subtle ways in which. Right, I mean, obviously, there's no connection between Durga and I mean, there's a genetic connection, right? But there's no there's no connection between Durga and and and, and Kajal, right? I mean, they've never seen each other, but there's this kind of continuity there. There is a sense in which even this like very male ending has a female presence through the lurking, actually, as you pointed out, kind of divine mother figure, India. mother. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, that that is, I think, an, a nice note for the film to end on and yeah i think it confirms your kind of sense of the spiritual or the religious animating there's also lots of shots of like right there are lots of shots of the sun and that look luminous and and kind of spiritual yeah of the landscape which is interesting because part of the point of the the parallel cinema is not just it's neorealism but it's kind of turning away from the the very religious cinema of india in that period in fact up and up and i watch Right, a movie together. Yeah, that's kind of like, and a, it's like clearly, it. I, I couldn't tell if it was the Mabara or the Ramayan. But it's like a religious comedy. But yeah, yeah. Well, and clearly there's like a, a boy Krishna. Yeah, yeah. Figure, um, which it, interestingly our kids are kind of into because um, they're both into sneaking butter right now. Yeah, well, um, definitely Ella. Um, Ella likes literally sneaking it out of the the fridge, but Theo yesterday just chomped like half a stick well he of just butter. likes cutting butter with a knife no yesterday he just he just stuck it in his mouth he's just stuck he just he just was biting into it right. and i was just like you know whatever i like i'm gonna let you i mean he can eat whatever he wants you know the fat is months. fat is good for his growing brain yeah but yeah so the you know the yeah no the because you were saying right uh, indian cinema originates with kind of religious representation yes. right it's films about gods yeah um, and yeah, so despite the kind of the the rationalistic, anti-superstitious elements, despite the neorealist background, actually it is kind of optimistic, idealistic, it is spiritual, right? It's all of these things just yeah. in a 
in a different way from the conventional representation. So we should we should wrap up. I will note that in the current test series, England is, is Oh, we didn't up. do a lot of cricket. We didn't talk a lot we, of cricket. We, we, we had so much material. I know. Maybe next time. Is the next movie less? I, maybe I'm just keeping a dignified silence over, over the defeat. Maybe. Well, I'm sure England will provide many opportunities for <laughs> to, to glow. No, no one snatches the no, it was, it, from the jaws of victory. It, it was a great, a, great, a great English performance. It, credit, it, credit where credit is due. Yes. I, I saw that Jimmy Anderson moment over. It was a thing of beauty. I, I, I saw it too. I didn't realize it was a two-look over. Uh, well, he could have got, like got Rahana before. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was pretty it, amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that there's that to look forward to. And next... I guess if you can't, if you don't have time to watch the movies of Shuchizit Rai and you need something kind of epic and uplifting and glorious and transcendental and you've got like 40 seconds, then watch the Jimmy Anderson over instead. Yeah, I will, I will put that on our Twitter account as well. So yeah, so there's, there's that. And then next week we are, we are no longer with the Apple Trilogy, no. which ends after the third movie. <laughs> Uh, no, so, no eye for a commercial angle. Surely yeah. there could have been like a reboot at some point. Well, you know, Kajal, Kajal strikes back. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the revenge of Mrs. Mukherjee. <laughs> uh, so, what are we? What are we watching next week? Uh, I think we're watching Joel Chohor. So the the music room. The music room. Yeah, and I, I, I actually, I, I don't have a good recollection of this film. So we're going to talk about music. I'll be discovering. Is I'll be going to be. Well, I'm certainly not going to be discussing music because I don't know anything about music. <laughs> um, so, yes, further uninformed musings about music. Um, is there anything else that we should? Nope. Nope. All right. We well, will see you next time. Next time. And now to quote Theo. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>